Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A team of special agents discovers a revolutionary computer program to bait and trap online predators. After teaming up with the program's troubled developer, they soon find that the AI is rapidly advancing beyond its original purpose. That is the basic storyline of this wonderful film called The Artifice Girl, and we're fortunate to have with us today the director, writer, and editor of this wonderful film, and that would be Franklin Rich. Franklin, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Uh, this, this, is, this is wonderful, uh, and I, I really appreciate it. As a writer, I, I know that this idea behind the film has been sort of gestating in your mind for a little while. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about the origin story of how we how we came to the Artifice Girl. Sure. Yeah. So I had uh, over over the years read a lot of articles and uh, uh, about how AI and technology was being used to uh, to find criminals and combat uh, online traffickers and, and predators, and I thought that was so cool. Like I love hearing the way the technology was being used for good in that way. And I, I was kind of thought that that would make an interesting story. And I was curious what kind of conversations the developers would be having behind closed doors. So, but, but the idea uh, alone just sort of stayed a little dormant until in the early days of the pandemic uh, in the spring of 2020, I, I remember just sort of revisiting the idea and realizing that there could be a thematic parallel between the budding adolescence of AI and childhood trauma. And suddenly that tiny little connection just sort of got me so excited and, and I just knew I had to tell the story. So re-examining and re-approaching the story from that perspective and also keeping in mind the limitations of shooting a film in uh, you know the, during a pandemic with uh, one location and, and a minimal cast, minimal crew, I said, what if this story sort of started in this interrogation scene where the audience was sort of kept up, like brought up to speed through the context of of this uh, sequence. But I also wanted to explore big ideas that would, wouldn't happen for another 50 years in this in this story. So I, I said, well, how, how could I sort of build build that? And the idea of doing this sort of the three-act time jump helped me helped inform the structure of the story. Yeah, the script, the script writing process actually felt pretty, pretty easy after after the two weeks of pure straight research that because yeah. I have no background in technology or AI. So I did a lot of research in, into that and criminology and, and that sort of thing. Um, and obviously a lot of philosophy, ethics, that kind of thing before even writing out uh, a single word of dialogue. Well, one of the beauties of the film, one of the strengths of the film is that just exactly what you're describing in that we're all becoming a little more familiar with AI what it means for us on a kind of a personal level, but what it means in sort of a social big picture level possibilities, the uh, the benefits and some of the potential pitfalls that come along with that. And I thought that interrogation scene that you you just mentioned, it's the beginning of the film. It really does a great job as not only introducing us to these characters that we're going to be spending time with, but also gives us crash course and understanding the ramifications of what I just described, the good and the bad part of it. And your character is so well suited to be the good and and the uh, and the fraught, if you will, of AI, uh, of it all. So I, I talk a little bit, uh, it's sort of a, from a technical level, 
this first maybe 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes of the film, how you went about sort of structuring it, how you went about kind of introducing these characters, because you did such a wonderful job. It's just a beautiful setup. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that sort of as from a from a filmmaker's perspective, what your intents were. For me, because I knew going into this that this was going to be a very dialogue heavy film, you know, uh, that's it, 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 when you have a low budget and you're dealing with minimal resources and in the midst of a, a, a pandemic again, like it's you sort of are like, OK, what do I what am I able to do? And I knew that it was going to be dialogue. Um, and so then I had I just knew that I had to make dialogue interesting and entertaining. And uh, so so when approaching those first 15 minutes, I think I think you're right. I think it's crucial. I came at it uh, one with with the perspective of okay, if it's an interrogation scene, and I and I did a lot of research watching interrogation videos. There's there's a certain rhythm that the interrogators have when cross examining a, a suspect that I just think is really cool, and especially when you're a fly on the wall with no prior context as to what's happening, you're sort of playing detective yourself, trying to understand what is it that they're going to accuse him of, what uh, you know, what what's the evidence, what's the speculation, you know, like what what's the crime. So I, I thought like all of that, you know, when, when, when writing those first 15 pages actually is, it was, I, I, I felt the best way to sort of keep the audience engaged from minute to minute was I, I, I think the way that I had it in the script was every page I set up a mystery and then the next page, tell a secret. And then the next page set up a mystery and then tell a secret. And it was like every page or every two pages, there was like secret mystery, secret mystery. And that just like kept this nice ebb and flow of information and intrigue. You would never uh, set up a mystery that then you then tell the secret to. It's it's always something that ends you know, like it's it's this weird kind of cascading uh, sort of wheel of it. Uh, yeah. But that I, I think that helped a lot in keeping uh, those first minutes engaging. Absolutely. I would refer to it as kind of a leapfrogging of one thing yes. over the other until we, we get. And in, in the course of that period of time, even within the dynamics of that those that opening scene, uh, they change. Uh, you go in some ways you go from I don't know if a hero is the right way to put it, but certainly the expert. Then you're suddenly seen as something completely different in all of this. And then it, it sort of keeps, yeah, just as you were describing, you're, you're doing, you did a better job, but it just keeps <laughs> evolving into something more and more. Well, again, as I said in our introduction, I, you don't shortchange the audience in terms of understanding to trust the audience to understand or what could be around the corner in all of this. Yeah, just beautifully done. I, I just, whenever I see a film that is so well-structured, and so intelligent. It just, it warms me <laughs> in ways that I, and I just want to, I'm kind of babbling on here a little bit, but I just want to congratulate you on that. And also the actors involved, Cinda Nichols is spectacular. David Gerard as Amos, everyone is so, so good. I don't know where you found them. I'm not <laughs> familiar with their work. I haven't seen them before. So let's talk a little bit about their characters and, and, and bringing them into the project as well. Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, that was all very kind of you to say. Uh, but but yeah, the the cast, uh, David, Cinda, and Tatum, um, all three I had are, are local to uh, to Jacksonville, where where we shot the film. And uh, and I'd worked with them on several previous projects, short films, you know, stuff that stayed contained in Jacksonville, you know, local <laughs> local projects. So, uh, but we just had a you know like a sense of trust. The, the 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 four of us and spending a lot of time on zoom rehearsals 
uh, kind of helped us sort of get kind of in, in sync, but no, they are just absolutely incredible performers. And the, there's, there's not a single weak moment in my opinion of, of any of their performances, Tatum, especially who, you know, was 11 at the time that we started uh, working on this project. Uh, is is able to play a character that is profoundly difficult <laughs> to 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 execute because not only is it such a dense amount of information that she has to exposit uh, and technical jargon and all that, but just the the tightrope walk between seeming somewhat uncanny valley in her existence, <laughs> but but then also still strangely human in 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 certain things. And and she has to like evolve and and that character dressed has has like some very sharp turns that it takes. Uh, but she she handles it all exceptionally well. And everybody in the cast, I mean, it's it's because of them that I felt comfortable doing this film, which uh, by all accounts, you know, is seems like a bit of a, a risk doing a film that's entirely dialogue in one location with three people. So, uh, but I, I couldn't be more proud of them and, and confident because of them. And you're absolutely correct on Tatum Matthews because she, yeah, she has to appear to be the AI creation. And, and I found myself as I was watching her, I kept looking for sort of a tell and, and, and she does such a great job of not, not doing that. I, I just, and then yes, as, as called upon as she evolves and becomes more, I don't want to give, I feel like I'm going to say something, <laughs> I'm going to give a, something away. Sure. I just, uh, I, I was so, so impressed by her. You're absolutely right. She's just fantastic in the film. The film is called The Artifice Girl, and we're speaking with the director, writer, editor of the film, that be Franklin Rich, and it is coming out, I believe, April 27th here in Los Angeles. Be looking for it. If yeah, it, uh, it, You'll definitely catch it at uh, the Alamo Draft House in oh. Los Angeles, um, oh. and I think it's playing at some others, but uh, if, if you're not able to, to go see it in theaters, it'll be on VOD and digital as well, uh, but I highly recommend uh, going to see it in, in a theater because it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great experience to watch with other people and experience those, those sharp turns and those twists uh, with an audience. I think uh, it's, it's been really great to experience. Absolutely right. And, and the thing about that, the thing that you, you mentioned seeing it in a theater, because you can't walk away from this film with someone standing next to you and want to make a comment about it. It just begs to be talked about. And I, there's just such a great vibe of walking out of a theater and just being around other people and having shared the experience of being in, in, in that room with something as provocative as this is truly, um, why we go to film that's why we that's why we that's, that's, why we that's so yeah I, I couldn't agree more i and that's so great to hear you say that because that's really all i want to people to take away from the film i don't want it to necessarily uh push a a message or an ideal but what i want more than anything is for this film to incite conversations uh, discussions about the ethics, the philosophy, uh, technology. Um, and I encourage everybody, if, if, if when you see the film, April 27th, uh, feel free to reach out to me because I've had to stay silent about this film for three years while working on it. So now that the, now that it's out, please, uh, let me know what you think. Let me know what it's made you, uh, think about. Um, I, I think it's, that's so great to hear. Uh, we have to have that discussion this because this isn't just about the, it's just not, not about a movie this conversation is about more than that it's about how we are going to integrate this into into our way of life and and what are the ramifications people assure us that everything will be fine but from the time you started writing the script till as we sit here today in our conversation 
what about AI? What about the kind of the future of of uh, that in our lives has either changed or reinforced what you thought going into this? I, I wrote the script three years ago, you know, uh, spring of 2020, and things have changed a lot, especially in the past few months, gotten crazy. Um, and and I think that either, right now it seems like there are two camps of people. You've got people that are understandably excited and then people that are reasonably terrified. And I think both both perspectives are valid. And I'm not sure if my film necessarily, the way that I uh, that, that we present AI uh, in our film isn't necessarily uh, reflective of AI, you know, uh, in our world and how it will be in the future necessarily. But I do maintain that the the AI character in our story is a reflection of the people that created. And I do think that AI in our world will do that, uh, just just like children. If it's developed with intentions of, you know, uh, criminal intentions, nefarious means, like with uh, capitalistic uh perspectives like that's what it's going to do if it's developed with altruism uh with you know for for the greater good uh it it, it will reflect that as well but i think it's important regardless even in this story where it is developed for an altruistic reason for for uh to to save children it's because the developer has this trauma that he hasn't processed and refuses to deal with and he inadvertently passes that on to the ai that he's created and that's what I think is important here for everybody to, to take away from, not just big corporations, but each individual's. We should be approaching this technology with uh, thoughtfulness, compassion, um, and uh, you know, not necessarily because Siri or Alexa might one day be angry with us if we don't say please or thank you, but just because it's these are good habits for us to adopt. Um, because the day that we cross that line and robots and AI and elevators like start having feelings. And uh, it, that's, that's going to be a day that we we're not going to be ready for. Um, yeah. So we, we should be, we should be building good habits now. Um, I think Absolutely. Could not agree with you more. Well, my congratulations, just one sort of last thought technology up to this point, whether it's radio or television or the internet, you know, all of those things that we're going to enhance our lives and make us better. Are, are all pretty passive. This is different. This is not passive. AI isn't passive. It will be in your life whether you want it or not. And we need to we need to be talking about it. And that's the important <laughs> thing here. Well, the film is called The Artifice Girl. And uh, director, writer, editor, I cannot thank you enough, Franklin Rich, for being here. And uh, congratulations, all the best. And I look forward to a bright future. I hope you come back whenever the next project is ready for 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 the world. And uh, truly. Thank you. Anytime, so Mike. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.